starting a new series today, and it's just simply entitled "God Can." And so, you know, sometimes when uh, if you're working, I know a lot of you don't do this for a living like we do, but when you're working on sermons, sometimes um, you know, sermon series, you have you know, you have an idea and you have a full-on, clear-cut. There's three points to this and a poem, and then you're done. Um, or a lot of guys do. I don't typically do poems, but a lot of guys do. Um, then there are times like this in a series when you just have a thought and you can't get away from it. And the whole time that Kim and I were on sabbatical this year, uh, God laid some stuff on our heart, and, but, but there was just this thing rolling around in the back of my head. If I heard it once, I probably heard it a hundred times in my mind, God can, God can. And, uh, and so I, at first I just thought, well, yeah, God can, yeah, God can. And then as it stayed, um, it wouldn't leave even after trying to dismiss it, trying to shake it, you know, for weeks, these two words had just kind of been staying in the forefront of my mind. So for the rest of this year, I'm going to try to unpack the significance of these two words as we, as we moved, uh, during our time together on Sunday mornings. Uh, this past week, I, I typically, sometime the first part of November, I go to a uh, lead pastor's tr- uh, planning retreat. There's five or six of lead pastors in the area. We go, to, we go together and we go typically over to uh, Alberta, Alabama. Camp Baldwin's over there. It's close to Foley, for the, all of you ladies that know where that's at, I'm sure. Um, we go to Foley and we spend you know, three or four days over there. And it's just calendar planning uh, and budget, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, and I typically do my sermon calendar for the next year. Uh, and I, and, and there again, when I say a sermon calendar, it's, it's ideas that I have for series for the next year. Now, sometimes it, it goes just as planned. Sometimes it like last, this past year, uh, I may as well not even made one of them, uh, because I don't, I think I covered maybe two or three in the beginning and then went somewhere else. But I spent this week with these guys and I, and I just was sitting there one night at dinner and I said, Hey guys, I, I, I have a series that I'm starting Sunday and I'm working on this. I've got some ideas, but I just want to ask you, I want to give you two words and I want you to give me as quickly as you can what pops in your mind when I say these two words. And I said, they said, I said, you ready? They said, yeah. I said, okay, God can. And I pointed at each one of them and, and they all just threw out something. Boom, 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 boom. And I thought, man, those, those guys should be preaching this series. And, uh, so I'm going to try to unpack this in a few weeks um, today I'm going to deal with God can, you and I can't. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to deal with God can restore. And then I'm going to deal with in the early part of December, um, God can walk away. And then the Sunday before Christmas, I'm going to deal with God can show up. And so, um, i just give you that as just a little teaser um, to think about so that you won't consider not being in church the next few weeks. <laughs> so let's unpack part of it today. God can, you and I can't. In the, first book of Gen- in the first chapter of the book of Genesis, God speaks the world into existence. He literally just speaks and boom. You know, if you go through Genesis one, and, and you read through the first few chapters of Genesis, you see God doing all these things, and it's at a word. He speaks, and the world's like, you know, let there be light, and there was light. And he separated the light from the darkness, and he said, you know, he put fish in the sea, and then he, he formed the animals and, and, and everything, and he did all this kind of stuff. He did every bit of, at, at a word, at a word. 
God speaks and the worlds came into existence. In Exodus, uh, God parts the Red Sea. Literally just parts it. And Israel walks on dry ground. He just, they just walk across on dry ground. <clears throat> further on, God feeds an entire nation with stuff that just falls out of the sky. And they wake up the next morning, there's food on the ground. Manna. And they get tired of that. And they want some meat. And I, I get that. I personally get that. I grew up in a house where, um, you know, we ate. And, uh, and my dad is an old Southern guy. And we never had a vegetable plate <laughs> for a meal. If we got there, my dad, if something wasn't, my dad's asking questions, where's the meat? Where's the bread? That kind of stuff. And so I'm, I, I don't necessarily have to have bread, but my wife will tell you, I will ask any meat in that. And I don't mean the stuff that's out there now that's not. <laughs> you know, like these burger joints now, they have this non-meat burger. Thank you, no. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a burger. It's something else, but it's not a burger. That's like, that's like lasagna. Have you ever heard the term vegetable lasagna? There is no such thing. There is no such thing as vegetable lasagna. If it's lasagna, it's got meat in it. Can I get a witness to anybody in the house? Okay, good. So we're on the same page. So I get Israel going, okay, we're really tired of honeycomb. Um, you know, we want something besides cereal. And so God just sends quail and they just literally just, there's quail everywhere. I enjoy quail. I like quail. I would have enjoyed that. Uh, but he did that. And then there's another place they're thirsty and there's no water. And God literally makes water come out of a rock. So what can God do in the early? God can speak the worlds into existence. God can part a sea. God can feed you with manna and quail. And God can give you water when you need water. We see that in scripture. We go into the book of Joshua further on. God literally pushes the wall. They're, they're surrounding Jericho and, and they're marching around Jericho and all this kind of stuff. They do this and then finally the last day they march around at seven. Then they yell, hi, by screaming and hollering and the walls disappear. They just crumble. But when you read about the archaeological aspects of Jericho and I've been over there a few times, you don't see rubble everywhere where the walls came down a few thousand years ago. What you see, it literally looks like God put his foot on the walls and they just went back down in the ground. That's what it looks like. It's the coolest thing. You kind of go, you know, well, typically you go to archaeological places where there's been buildings, you see rubble laying on the ground. Even in our, in our country, out in the West, when you go to some of the uh, Native American places where they, the, cl the cliff dwellers and stuff like that, you see debris. But at Jericho, you don't see that. Those of you that are going to be going to Israel with us next year, you're going to, you'll, we'll, we'll go there and you'll get, the, you'll get the kind of look and you'll kind of see that, well, there used to be a wall here, but it, there's, no, there's no rubble. It's just kind of like pushed down the ground. Pushed down the ground. Another place in Joshua, God decides to hold the sun and the moon in his orbit, just stops it. And it holds there. It doesn't move. It doesn't get dark. It, it just everything stays put so that the battle can be completed the way it needed to be completed. 
God can do those things. He can push the walls of strongholds down in your life so that they don't exist anymore. God can take and hold the sun and the moon still. Why can he do that? Because he's the one that spoke them into existence and hung them in the sky to begin with. God can do that. God can do that. In Psalm 23, we're told that God can prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. You ever been going through a difficult trial? Someone maybe come at you and, and they've kind of you know, smeared you or something like that and you, and you realize you've got an enemy in your life and the first thing you feel like is, I, I can't even eat anything. Sick to my, I can't eat. Guess what? God can prepare a table for you that you won't turn away from. God can do these things. But you and I can't. We can't speak worlds into existence. We can't make water come out of a rock just by going, water, come forth. We can't do that. You can make veggie lasagna, but God would never do that. <laughs> just unnatural. In my opinion, it's just a humble one, but it's fine. God can do things that I think can't be done. As a matter of fact, in the book of Ezekiel, uh, the prophet walks up to this, God shows him this valley and, and he's looking, and it's just a valley strewn with, with bones. And they're not even skeletons, they're just bones that are scattered. And it's a wilderness, desert, dry area. And there's just bones scattered everywhere. And the, and the writer says, they were very dry. And you look at this and you go, a lot of dead people, been dead a long time, things are scattered. And then, and then God asked the prophet a question, hey, can these bones live? And I know what the prophet wanted to say. The same thing you and I'd want to say, no. And don't, 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 get, with me, don't, don't get religious on me this morning and, and all pious and everything. Go, I, I, would, I, would, I believe. It's because you read the story. And you know what's coming. But if you didn't know what's coming and you walk into that situation and there's this valley of dead, dry bones scattered everywhere and someone asks you the question, can these bones live? You're going to go, nope. Why? Well, they're, they're dead. And they're scattered. Somebody had to figure it all out. I mean, today we'd have to, we had to go through the DNA stuff, this bone, this bone, this bone, bring it all together. So our answer would be no. But yet God asked the question of Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said something very smart. Very smart. He didn't want to look dumb and unspiritual. So we said, oh, Lord, you know. <laughs> I mean, think about that. You know, Lord. He answered a question with a question. He's passing it off. You know, Lord. And if you read that story, I'm not going to tell you the story. You got to read that story because it's cool. God asks some more questions. And then God tells him some stuff. And then eventually, at the end of the story, well, you read it. In John 10, now remember, we're talking about God. God can do things that we think he can't do. In John 10, one of his dear friends has died. He's been dead for four days. His name is Lazarus. And he's in the tomb. He's been dead for four days. Jesus comes on the scene. And he doesn't go to the house. He goes to the tomb. And Martha comes and and. and Jesus says, hey, we need somebody to remove the stone. And she says something very important in this moment. She says, oh, Lord, no. 
He's been dead four days. One translation is very gracious. It said, the smell will be terrible. Basically, she said, he stinks. He stinks. And after four days, yes. Yes. So what is she saying to him? After he has the explanation to her, he said, wait a minute, the resurrection. She said, oh, I know at the end of it, at the end of the days, it's all going to happen. We'll all be resurrected. He said, he cries, he's mad. You read the story, he's actually mad in this instant. I mean, Jesus is getting a little bit ticked off at all these people that are closest to him, seeing all the miracles, everything that's happened. And she's, I mean, they know that he's raised the dead. They know that he's raised the dead. But in this instance, she goes, oh, Lord, don't, don't, no. He stinks. But he finally convinces somebody to roll the stone out of the way. And then Jesus walks up to the mouth of the cave of the tomb that's there and says, Lazarus, come forth. You know what happened? He did. In the face of the unbelief of Martha and everyone present, Jesus does something that they think cannot be done. They move the stone out of the way. He speaks. Lazarus comes out. And then they take all the grave clothes off of him. And he goes about his business. And if you read the story further on, go on and read a few more chapters. And you find out that the Pharisees are trying to kill Lazarus just like they want to kill Jesus. Because this shouldn't happen in Israel. I mean, God forbid that God shows up. You go, well, I I I don't... Water from a rock, parting the ocean, you know, pushing the walls down to the ground, the sun and the moon. I, I don't understand all that. That's the point. We don't have to. God can do things that you and I can't, and God can do things that you and I think can't be done. As a matter of fact, Jesus replied in Luke 18, he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. What is impossible? Look, in 2 Kings 4, God shows us that he can stretch your resources. There's a widow. She's, she's, she has nothing but a little bit of oil. And the preacher comes on the scene and says, hey, fix me a little something. She goes, hey, dude, I got enough just for me and my son, and we're going to eat this, and we're going to die. You know? Or they're going to take my son and, because I owe a bunch of money. And, and he said, no, do this. He says, go get some vessels. And she started pouring the oil. She started pouring the oil, pouring the oil. And as long as they could find them, they're borrowing everything they can in the neighborhood. And as long as they have vessels, there's oil that pours and fills these vessels up. Over and over and over. She has no resources except a little bit of oil. But yet, God comes on the scene and as long as there's vessels, there's there. In the same chapter, there's a hundred guys there. They have 20 barley loaves. Now, when we think of loaves, we tend to think of a loaf of bread. About yay big. In ancient times, when they talk about a barley loaf, it was like a, a bread stick. A little tiny thing about this big. It was a bread stick. That's all it was. And so you have 20 of those to feed 100 guys. Now, now I don't know about you, but there are times that I could eat 20 bread sticks myself. One night when we were over there, we went to Lambert's this past week. The home of the throat roll. Hallelujah. I mean, these things are this big and they're soft and gooey and they have real butter. 
I only had one. I only had one. But I had some other sides with it, so it wasn't. Guess it, yeah, you know. But what do we see happening there? We see even in the Old Testament. We know Jesus, Jesus in the New Testament, he feeds 5,000, he feeds 4,000 with just a few fish and bread. But in the Old Testament, here's God showing up and they begin to break these barley loaves and every one of the hundred men, they are filled and there are stuff that's left over, food that's left over. In the natural, you go, we, there's no way that this is going to feed a hundred men. There's no way that this little bit of oil that I have is going to meet the needs of my life so that my son doesn't be, is not sold into slavery. But yet we see God showing up on the scene and stretching the resources that they had. In both cases, God took what they had and stretched it to meet the need. There was no lack and they had leftover and the blessing of God stretches resources that would never meet a need so that whatever you have in your hand, whatever you're willing to give to God will be more than enough that he needs to do the work that he wants to do through you and in you. God can do that. God can do that. Two chapters over in 2 Kings 6, a bunch of students, their, their, their leader said, we're going to expand this, this school. And so they go down to start chopping trees. And one guy's working next to the river and he's chopping away with the axe. And the axe head comes off and falls in the river. All of a sudden, their tool, the thing that they needed to do the expansion, to get the resources, now it's gone. It has sunk to the bottom of the river. Have you ever had a situation in your life where you wake up on Monday morning and you get to work and your boss says, things are tight, we got to make some cutbacks. I want to let you go. You ever had your pay cut, your hours cut? You ever looked at your bank account and go, there's no way we're going to make it through the end of this year. You ever looked at your time and you know that there's something that God wants you to do, but you try to figure it out in the calendar and you go, I have no time to do that. What about in your relationships? You ever had situations in your relationships when you need to do something, but then you look at your situation and go, I don't know that I have the resources to do this. I don't know that I have the time to do this. I don't know that I have the tools that I need to do this. You see, the axe head in that story represents your cutting edge. It represents your livelihood. It represents whatever that thing is, the main tool for the job that's at hand. You see, if the enemy can steal your, the tool of your livelihood, if he can take away your job, if he can discourage you in your relationship, if he can do this about your resources, then he can shut you down. And we see all this happening and we look in our situation and we go, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't, this is what I had and now it's gone. I have lost it. It's in the river and it's sunk to the bottom. Hey, you know, access don't float, right? They're made out of steel. They sink. They sink. Lost wages, lost business, lost value, lost investments, all seem to be gone. That's what these guys are facing in 2 Kings 6. It's exactly what they're facing in 2 Kings 6. And Elisha comes up there and he, and he, says, he says, we lost the axe head. We can't cut any more trees to do the expansion that we need to do. We have no way of doing the job that is at hand. We have no way to meet the need that's at hand. And Elisha walks up and takes a stick. He takes a stick. Now, let me tell you something about a stick. 
we go ahead in, fu- in the future centuries. And there's a stick on the back of a man that carries it down the Via Dolorosa, outside the gates of the city, up on a hill called Golgotha. And he is suspended between heaven and earth on a stick. The stick in the second Kings chapter six represents the cross that is future to come. The cross of Jesus Christ tells each and every one of us in this room today that no matter what sin is done in our life, no matter what mistakes have made in our life, no matter what resources that we lost, because of the cross of Jesus Christ, God can do things that you and I think he can't do. Is anybody getting this this morning? Ooh, I haven't had this much preaching in me in a while. But we see in the New Testament that God raises the dead. He opens blinded eyes. He heals paralyzed individuals. He raises the sick up from their bed of affliction. God can do things that you and I think he can't do. And God can do it because you and I can't. If we can do it, then we don't need God. That's, what, that's the whole deal with the miraculous. It's not a miracle if you can do it. I can fix this, then it's not a miracle. Now, there have been some things that I have fixed that I didn't have the smarts to fix. And it gets fixed and I, and, and I go, okay, I'm not taking credit for this. I've heard surgeons say that after operations, they go, something happened while that person was on the table And I can tell you it was, I have skills, but I don't have those skills. What is that? That's God showing up and doing his thing when you and I can't. There's nothing that God cannot do. Nothing. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? And the answer to that question is no. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing. Final thought for today is this, from Ephesians 3.20. I'm gonna read it from three different translations and I just want you to see if you get the gist of it. From the New King James Version, it says this, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. In the NIV, it says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. The NLT, the New Living Translation, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work inside of us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. If you can think it, God can do more. If you can imagine it, God can do more. Doesn't matter, and look, how many of you got a real vivid imagination? Do you know that God can exceed that? There's a lot of you, some of you are creative individuals. I mean, you're creative individuals. Stuff comes out of your brain, I'm kind of going, I don't don't get that. Okay? But what I want to tell you today is this, that God can take your best imaginative moments and exceed it. God can take the most creative moment that you have in your life and do more than you could ever imagine in your wildest dreams. Why? Because God can. Because God can. Isaiah 55, 8 says, my thoughts are not yours. 
My ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Psalm 40 verse 5. Lord my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us. Now listen to this. Your plans for us, speaking of his children, everybody here at Genu on television, whoever, your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. So my question this morning is this, is there anything, is there something in your life, is there something in your life this morning that you think can't, can't happen, can't be done, can't come to pass? My word for you, and I believe the word of the Lord for everybody that's in this place today and listening to this, is this, even when you can't, it's probably better that you and I can't. Because then we can trust in the one who can. And he can and will do exceedingly abundantly more. God can. Can I get a witness in the house this morning? Amen. Let's stand all over the room. Let's stand all over the room. Now here's the deal today. I'm going to ask the altar team to go ahead and make your way down. If you have a situation in your life right now and you are thinking that it can't be done, you need a healing in your body, you need a raise, you need a job, you need your resources stretched, you need your relationship healed, you need God to do his thing. Now listen to me today. Don't you step out and come down here if you're not going to trust him with it and take your hands off of it. Because the whole point of today is God can, you can't. And that means trust. And that's where the miracles begin to happen. In the moments when we recognize that God can do something and I have no power, no ability, no authority. I cannot, I cannot do this. If God doesn't show up, then I'm sunk. If you're there today and you're going, and you're going, I will, I choose, I will choose today to trust God and I will take my hand off of it and let God do what only he can do. Get out and come forward right now. Nobody? Oh, some are coming. There we go. Come on. Come on. I know this is for more than a handful of people today. I know this. God can. I can't. Come on. Need some more folks, some of our staff. You guys have moved forward as well. Joe, you and Debbie, come on down. Come on down, help us out here. <clears throat> Crystal, you and Brian, I'll begin to pray for some folks. Just find people. We've got some folks down here on this end needing prayer, some right here in the, in the center. Those of you that are still standing back there, just slip your hand this way just as a point of contact, okay? We're going to begin to pray for these. 
that are choosing today to trust God. They're choosing today to step out and go, I can't do this, but God can. Father, you see every person across the front of this building. You know their situation. You know what they can't do. You know what's going on in their life, and you know the impasse that they're at. Father, you know that they're struggling to move into a place, God, where they recognize and trust you. So I pray today, God, that by your Holy Spirit, that you will increase their faith, that you will increase their trust in you, God. Let them walk this out. Let them take their hands off the situation and go, I trust you, God, because I know that you can. And you can do things that I cannot do. And I'm trusting you during this time in my life. I need water from a rock. I need manna from heaven and quail to come in. Father, I need the sun to stand still. I need, a, I need a table in the presence of my enemies. I need peace in my life. Jesus, I need all of these things. I need healing in my body. I need feelings that are dead to be resurrected. God, I need you. And the things that you can do in my life. And I'm choosing today to trust you in everything, Jesus. I'm choosing today to trust you in everything, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We glorify your name, Lord. Our congregation, now just begin to give, give, just begin to lift up praise all over the house. Begin to lift up praise all over the house this morning for what God's doing here in the lives of these individuals. Just lift up praise. Come on. Come on, Jen, you. I know you can do this. Lift up praise in the house. Lift up praise in the house. God can. God, come on. That's it. Come on. God can do this this morning. God can do things that you and I think can't be done. God can when you and I can't. Hallelujah. 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 We magnify your name. We glorify your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. While these are still being ministered to all across the front, take your elements in your hands this morning. Father, we thank you for the broken body of Jesus Christ on the cross. We thank you that the stripes on your back provided the reality that you can do in us when we can't. And we glorify you today and we magnify you. Shall we eat the bread together this morning? In the same manner you took the cup, Lord, and you blessed it and you said, this is my blood. It's the new covenant. My blood will do something that sacrificial lambs have never been able to do. And that is I will wash away your sin. I will take them away. And we're grateful for that today, Jesus. Shall we drink together in the house? Now let's lift our voice all over the room and say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 